hugging, no learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Seinfeld for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ty Hollowell. And if you are listening to this part two of the Cadillac and you haven't listened to part one, you probably want to go back and do that. We split it up because it ended up being, uh, for a long episode, a longer edition of the podcast. Uh, we we sat and recorded this for uh, almost two hours, and uh, we we just didn't want to do that to you. We didn't want to give you a two-hour episode of just our bullshit. So yeah, we we just decided to split it up and make it a little bit easier for you. So so hopefully this makes it. I don't know what the what the time is going to be, but hopefully this makes it two sub one hour episodes, two easily digestible episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So uh, let's get right back into it. Here is uh, the continuation and the conclusion of the Cadillac. I wonder if this was where the episode split because we open again down in Florida and find out that the board is voting to impeach Morty. See, here's um, um here's and, what I yeah. think. I don't think the episode split because when this has come up before, uh, with like a double yeah. episode and we found out, oh yeah, it was split for cable, uh, or, or split yeah, for the, cable. split for the network here. And we would see like, oh, well, Hulu lists it as like, uh, just pulling this out of nowhere. Season four, episode 14. And then the next one is season four, episode 16. Tim, there is yeah. a season seven, episode 15, where this is number 14. Oh, okay. There you so, go. Uh, so well, I wonder I'm if this thinking, is where they split it for syndication. It might be. I don't know, because it's like halfway through right here. But the board is voting to impeach Morty. Saul, Someone named Saul is voting yes, mostly because Morty didn't thank him for the aisle seats at some show that came to town, which totally reminded me of what Jerry did with the hockey seats. He didn't <laughs> thank the guy again. He thanked him before overly thank him then he wouldn't call him and thank him after and so like father like son yeah uh, as, as we're gonna hear later in the episode absolutely yeah <laughs> Saul Saul Brandis gave up his aisle seat at Freddie Roman's show he, he needs <laughs> thanks <Roman. laughs> yeah so right now the board is at a 3-3 tie with Mrs. Choate being the undecided and the, the the Seinfelds are learning this all from one of their neighbors who was like all right well I'll see you at this party tonight and they're like, oh, we're not invited to this party. And I love that this neighbor goes, oh, probably because they think you're too good for them because of the car. And looks right at Jerry when she says it. You know, even though I had the captions on and my headphones in and I could clearly hear it, I thought for a very split second that she said Mrs. Chode. Uh, <laughs> it's close. It's close. <laughs> Uh, but I, I just love how this, this, you know, Jerry, whenever he tries to do something nice, it just backfires completely and causes so much trouble, mm -hmm. you know, in, in this little and, and also what they're really nailing because my wife used to work in a retirement community is the little high schoolish nature of retirement communities. Like they have their <laughs> own little universe and it's the bit like everybody knows everything about everybody else and they're gossiping and who's doing this and what it's like the craziest universe that you'll ever you know get into like everybody's in everybody's business exactly like this it's just written so well oh god um, as far I bet. as what i know about retirement <laughs> communities yeah it's absolutely hilarious i mean they have nothing else to care about except what is going on in this small campus whatever like that's their that's the universe it's not their you it's the universe hold on that's wait it. tim is there by yeah. chance an elderly medication that ha that starts with the word bell 
Bell? Yes. Uh, I don't know why. Because I was going to, like, say, say for example, there's a drug called, like, Belzempine or something. We need to write a script yeah. called Saved by the Belzempine, and it's just a senior <laughs> citizen, dra- like, t- like, high school teenage <laughs> drama. Yeah, can I, I like that idea, but didn't they just try that with, um... What was that Leslie Jordan sitcom? Oh, fuck. You're uh, right. It was, wasn't it, it like called The Cool Table or something? Yeah, son of a bitch. I guess that's what they were doing. I didn't put two and two together, but I guess they did kind of write a... Um, yeah, it was called The Cool Table? It was. was that, it was, right? I, I think. Uh, Bel- Belsamra is the drug, but not not like it makes any difference now. Shit. <laughs> so I think it's called Cool Kids. Yeah, yeah, the cool kids. The cool kids. Yeah. With Leslie uh, Jordan, Vicky Lawrence. I don't even remember who else is in it. Uh, but yeah. Well, uh, yeah, Vicky Lawrence, Mama's Family, Vicky Lawrence. But I wonder if that's the idea, is that it's a high school show just with older people in it. I, I never watched it because it just didn't look up, <laughs> up interesting, up my alley. <laughs> but that's a good pitch if that's what it was. I I bet it was. Uh, David Allen oh, Greer well. and Martin Mull were the others. Oh yeah, Dag. Forgot. Up in Kramer's apartment, Con Ed is actually calling. The power company is legitimately calling Kramer about power surges in the area, and we need to come into your apartment and check the safety. And Kramer thinks it's the cable guy in an obvious ruse, and hangs up on the guy from Con Ed. Uh, and this never really gets resolved if there's no. a power problem. No, it doesn't. I, I was just really hoping that his power got cut one day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you figure like this should have come back because he ignored it. It was going to come back, but it doesn't. <laughs> it, up in George's apartment, it was kind of just filler, I guess. You know, they needed to pad an episode a little bit. Uh, up in George's apartment, now he's watching Only You, uh, which he has also seen before. And so Susan's like, wait a second. Why are you watching that? Because you've seen it before. And he protests kind of too much about having a thing for Marissa Tomei and ends <laughs> yeah. up working George, himself into a... Yeah, he, he accidentally, he like spills all of the beans, but like in a joking way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, who's going to introduce me to Marissa Tomei? Someone, like someone knows Marissa Tomei and then I'm her type and she would introduce me, <laughs> um, which is exactly what happened. And so he works himself into a fantasy about Marissa Tomei emerging from the kitchen where Susan went and Marissa Tomei tells him she loves him and they embrace. And then uh, Susan walks out as he is like straight up making out with a pillow. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. It's like he's got his hand like rubbing the back of his head as if Marissa Tomei <laughs> would be. It's like it's pretty sick. It's pretty disgusting. <laughs> and by the way, did you see this poster on his kitchen wall doorway? No. What was what was in his doorway? It's for it's a poster for fifteen sixty WQEW AM, oh which God. was an American popular standards radio station in New York City. From the call letters are from ninety two to twenty fifteen. It like started as a TV station, and then they kind of split the the channel into this other thing, and it's like Sinatra, big band, and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. Okay. But it also yeah, it's like got a bunch of forty fives. I guess like a bunch of forty five record labels on and it says we're you know chances are we're playing your song or something like that and it's it's for this radio station uh, which in 1998 it was still wqew up until 98 when it became radio disney and then in 2015 
uh, it was sold to a family radio, so now it's like Christian mm. broadcasting, and, it, and the call letters are WFME. But uh, I just found it interesting that uh, you know we saw for some reason he has this weird radio station, big band radio station so, poster up. So at the time, um, it was competing with the in canon radio station WFBB W fucking big band. <laughs> exactly. Yes, there were two competing big band radio stations wow. in New York City. Yep, unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> Uh, back in Florida, Jerry cannot fall asleep on the fold-out sofa because that bar is right in the middle of the bed. And Elaine calls in presumably the middle of the night. We we don't know, but people are making a lot of phone calls right now. And it's not like New York is in a different time zone than Florida. You know? <laughs> so she's calling in the middle of the night. But it seems like she's also like not in bed or something. No, you know what I'm thinking? Tell- you know what I'm thinking it is? And we get to this uh, later in the episode. Uh, yeah. But everything happens earlier in the retirement community. So I'm yeah. guessing that Morty and Helen <laughs> went to bed and it's like 930. So right now, as Jerry's like laying there trying to get to sleep, it's like <laughs> maybe 1015. Yeah, that's a good guess. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, definitely middle of the night for yeah. the retirement community. Absolutely. It's too bad they don't have a TV. You know, his parents need a TV so Jerry doesn't have to, like, all right, lights out like a prison. Like, nope, lights out. Can I stay up and read? Nope, lights out. Oh, well, okay. (laughs) Like, he's not going to bother anybody. They have their own room. Elaine calls in the middle of the night to come down there, and he's like, you want to come to phase two of the Pines of Mar Gables? Which, And so I think someone corrected this on... corrected me on this before because i know i've called it del boca vista but i think a while back i did that and someone was like they haven't moved to del boca vista yet this is the pines of mar gables so i I refrained from calling it del boca vista the whole time because i was like oh i think this is not del see i've thought that it was del boca vista i totally forgot about that i I forgot about um whoever whoever that was that uh the pointed out it was phase two of the Pine of Mar Gables or something. The, the long, drawn-out name. Um, yeah. But I, I do remember that now. Okay. When when yeah, do they move I, to I, Del Boca Vista? I think at the end of this episode. Oh, whoa. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Spoiler alert. God, yeah, yeah. I, I never knew. I know. I never knew there was a, a difference either uh, until we started this podcast and I got... I was like, oh yeah, of course, it's Del Boca Vista. That's the famous, yeah. But no, it's uh, it's not. It's the phase two of the Pines of Mar Gables. <laughs> uh, and Elaine laughs way too hard and long when he says that. Um, again, being very flirty about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and George and it, George calls on Elaine's other line to insist that she get Marissa Tomei's phone number. And Elaine clicks back to Jerry. So she's like, ah, what do you think? And he's like, I don't think so. I'll be back on Monday. Like, totally <laughs> oblivious to the fact that he's being flirted with. And just so matter of fact, like, um, I don't think so. Like, I, I can't imagine saying that to a friend. Like, I mean, I, I know it's a long trip. I mean, it, Elaine's trying to make it sound like it's not a big deal. Like, oh, it's just two hours by plane. But like, I can't imagine like saying I don't think so to a friend who invited me to something. Just that blatantly, you know, the, yeah. I'd be like, oh, no, you know, I got something to do. I got something else to do. Um, but he's like, yeah, you want to go to lunch? I don't think so. Yeah. Like say, (laughs) say for example, say for example, like you, you and the family go to Disney, you're there for a week. You're flying back on Sunday. It's Friday afternoon. I call you up again while you're in (laughs) Disney and say, Hey, Grace and I are coming down. Wouldn't it be cool if we met up? Like, no, you're there with your family. Spend time with your fucking kids. (laughs) 
Honestly, in that case, I would say yes. Oh, uh, that sounds like a good time. Oh my god! But um, not for you, but but for me, uh, you know, for us to like just have some other people. I can't imagine a week long vacation with my family. Um, even though that's kind of life, but you know, it's, it's, uh, the tensions always run higher. So it would sound good to like it sound like an escape. But I mean, just so I can understand saying I I don't think so in that situation, but. Um, and Elaine's been down there to Florida before with Jerry. That's true. That's very visit. true. So it's not crazy, but he's st- so to, so to still just go. I don't think so. Like a friend is suggesting you do something together, and then just go. I don't think so. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it just seems very cold to me. But again, Jerry's totally oblivious. He doesn't think anything's up. Uh, he has no idea what's going on with Elaine um, because the money hasn't changed Jerry because he's always been rich. It's just his friends found out about it. And, and as Kramer said in the beginning of the episode, it did change all the relationships or at least between, uh, Jerry and Kramer and initially, and then Dre- Jerry and Elaine mainly. And uh, over at Monk's, George is getting off of the payphone, having talked to Marissa Tomei. And before he meets up with her, he's got to arrange an alibi with Elaine. And Elaine has an idea about the dentist and George rejects the idea you know, calling it too complicated. And he suggests, hey, what if you're Elaine's having trouble uh, with her boyfriend and they're meeting to discuss the situation? And the boyfriend's name is Art Vandelay, of course. And he's an importer exporter. <laughs> and they're like, all right, well, what's the problem? And Elaine suggests that he's thinking of quitting the exporting. And George disparages that idea as well, which upsets Elaine again. But I guess they just go along with it just so Elaine will feel like she contributed to the idea. <laughs> Back down in Florida, uh, the Jerry's parents are meeting with Mrs. Choates, who Jerry comes in and immediately recognizes as the woman he accosted for the marble rye just a few episodes ago. So Jerry makes a hasty exit before Mrs. Choates can put two and two together. Back in George's apartment, he's telling Susan the lie about who he's going to meet, Elaine, and... After he mentioned, like, well, what are you uh, meeting Elaine for? It's like, oh, we got to talk about, you know, and after he explains Elaine's part of the lie, that's when Susan goes, are you having an affair with Elaine? Mm-hmm. Which I think is proof that George was right about Elaine's part of the story being not good enough for a George caliber lie, because that's immediately when Susan's like, oh, that sounds like a lie. You're having an affair, mm-hmm. which I think was kind of funny that George was right all along about <laughs> The lie about how to lie. So it, it's not that <laughs> Elaine's part of the alibi was wrong. It's that uh, George wouldn't have been able to say it in his way. So it was wrong for George, you know? I think that's a good point. He should take some of the responsibility for not selling it as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're right. So it, yeah, because he seemed hesitant about even wanting to say it. He's like, oh, God, yeah, so it, here we go. It's so not he didn't that put it his was, full performance into it. Exactly. It's not that it was a bad reason. It was just George wasn't able to uh, act properly. The, the, the character George yeah, wasn't yeah. able to act properly on this alibi. He didn't He didn't believe it himself. And we know it's not a lie if you believe it. That's his kind of mantra. That's true. And, uh, he, he didn't believe it enough, so he couldn't sell it enough. But I like that he goes, if I was having an affair with Elaine, I wouldn't say I'm going to meet Elaine. I'd tell you I'm going to meet somebody else and then go see Elaine. And um, and then Susan goes, uh-huh. <laughs> so not con- that he's not having an affair, but just knowing that it's not with Elaine now. Like, he sort of explained too much of his method. He gave away too much. I wouldn't tell you I'm going to see Elaine. Um, out on the street, Kramer is walking with some groceries and he's being stalked 
by, as he sees in the reflection in a pie pan that he's carrying, the cable guy in a van. And then there's a stunt double chase through Times Square and Central Park. And then a green screen rooftop uh, chase oh where God. Kramer jumps yeah. off of the roof and loses the cable guy. <laughs> I I just got to point out, when they're running through Times Square, yeah. it didn't look like they were doing anything other than walking while pumping their arms. <laughs> like, their, ru- their yeah, running yeah. is so slow. I, I don't know if they yeah. were just like actually running through Times Square and they just didn't want to cause that much of a scene. <laughs> well, I think part of it is, you know, the cable guy is heavier, so really can't run <laughs> for fast or for long amounts True. of time. And and so I think Kramer had to run in kind of a, a goofy, kind of clumsy way. And, oh, by, by the way, in that Times Square shot, you almost get a complete, like, face uh, view of the obvious stunt double. I'm like, oh, my God. He turns his head in a way where you can see, like, kind of a profile. And I'm like, that's so obviously not Kramer. Oh, my God. I didn't even realize this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like the best shot of his, his uh, double, his New York City double that we've gotten. <laughs> um, so I think that's part of it that, you know, that they, they can't run that fast. Either one of them. They're not, you know, we know Kramer's not that athletic because he got winded. You know, he almost died coming up the stairs that one time. And then... Um, you know, on the AIDS walk episode. And then the, the cable guy is the cable guy. He's uh, he's not as fast as Newman, you know, for as big as he is. And yeah, he loses the cable guy uh, in the rooftop jaunt. Hey, it's Tim. You know, Ted and I are both coffee lovers. I needed to pretty much get to normal at four in the morning. We talk about a show that takes place pretty regularly in a coffee shop. So it makes sense that we got to tell you about our new favorite coffee that's more than just coffee. Free lunch coffee. Free Lunch Coffee is on a mission to end child hunger, especially these days. You know, there are kids out there who really need your support, our support, and it can be difficult and intimidating knowing where to start and how to help. So here's one way. When you buy one bag of Free Lunch Coffee, you're providing 10 meals to children in need, and Free Lunch Coffee gives away 50% of the money they make to end hunger in the lives of young children. How great is that? If you have a coffee lover in your life, some Free Lunch Coffee would make a great Christmas gift because... They get coffee, and they get the satisfaction of doing a good deed, even though it was really you that did it, but still, it went to help kids. And it's like Monks meets the Human Fund, but unlike the Human Fund, actually helping. Beyond a fantastic cause, Free Lunch Coffee has great coffee that is specialty-grade, certified organic, and fair trade. You know, just in case you don't like it, they offer a 100% money-back guarantee for 30 days. So you get a free refund, and you can keep the coffee, too. So you really have nothing to lose. Here's another bonus. Free Lunch Coffee is offering a 10% discount to you just for listening to No Hugging, No Learning. So go to FreeLunchCoffee.com and use the coupon code LEARNING at checkout. FreeLunchCoffee.com. Use the coupon code LEARNING at checkout. Uh, Back down in Florida, they're getting ready to go to dinner, as you kind of referenced earlier, at 4.30, so they can get the early bird special and Jerry's like, can we eat at a normal time? And and they're talking about all this stuff you get in the early bird special for I think four ninety five was it uh, like you know a steak and potatoes yeah. and all that stuff. And Jerry goes, I'm not force feeding myself a steak at four thirty to save a couple bucks. <laughs> so they agree to wait. And there's like this is another you know I was talking about old people humor and writing old people the way they would talk. This was such a mom line. It was just such a oh well written line that a mom would say. Like, fine, we'll wait, but it's unheard of. 
<laughs> and then she like sits down on the couch in a huff. And, like it, it's almost like, like with her jacket and purse. Yeah. Yeah. Like Helen has never been anything other than 65. <laughs> yeah. And like with her jacket and purse, like she's going to be sitting there until they decide until Jerry decides it's time to go. You know, like, uh, we'll wait, but it's unheard of. I loved the way she said that. It's, it's unheard <laughs> of. <laughs> And Jerry, by the way, is reading a Superman comic here, which I thought was kind of like I, we knew Jerry was a Superman fan, but I kind of thought it this kind of gave him um, a little bit of fandom clout in my book because I figured he was like, oh, he probably likes the movies and oh, we know he's a yeah. fan of the old serials. But he's like legit reading a Superman, like not a special issue, but like, just like the one that comes like an action monthly comic. like it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's Superman Man of Steel number fifty three. You got a oh we got God. a really good shot of the cover. Oh whoa! <laughs> yeah, and so it's like it's like not even a special issue. It's like just he reads the weekly or the monthly Spider Man or Superman issues. You know, it's like this one's called Slobber Knocker, which I thought was a villain name, but I think it's just like an uh, an old style name for a a knockdown drag out kind of bare knuckle fight. Oh slob- yeah. Oh, it was a real slobber knocker. Mm-hmm. Um. But I was like, what a great name for a villain, too. Superman versus Slobberknocker. <laughs> but it's uh, it's from... It came out December 21st, 1995. So just a few months before this... Probably like right when this uh, episode was being filmed, maybe. Um, and it's Superman versus, again, just a one-off villain named Brawl. It's like not a big deal at all. <laughs> um, Lex Luthor reintroduces himself to Contesta. And on the cover is Bibbo, which is kind of like a post. Remember when Superman died in the comics around this time? I think so. So I guess this guy Bibbo kind of picked up one of the like Superman would obviously come back to life, but he seemed to be like uh, this this character who wears a Superman shirt, but is like owns a boxing ring in uh, Metropolis or something. I, I couldn't really understand who the character was on the cover and why he was punching Superman. But um, thank you to. T-A-U-Y-Creek.com for the synopsis of Superman Man of Steel number 53, the slobber knocker <laughs> issue. Um, but I just thought it was interesting that Jerry does read the comics. I'm like, oh, wow. he's. I mean, I hate to gatekeep, but I'm like, oh, wow, he's a, he's a real fan. <laughs> and I say this as a comic book fan that like doesn't read a lot of comic books. You know, I'm like... <laughs> I, I like superheroes, but I feel like less of a fan because I don't know all of the, oh, did you read this one? And like, no, like Alan, for instance, Alan's a real comic book fan. He goes this, our, our mutual friend with uh, the Ted and I have, he goes to the comic book shop every week and picks up mm-hmm. his comics that month and like, and, and read like legit reads comics and knows issues and, and artists and inkers and authors. And so I wonder if Jerry's that kind of guy. Maybe. Oh my God. I, I think it just, yeah, I think it just gives him a little bit more clout that he's actually reading I, yeah, this I, random I know, Superman like, issue. Uh, Alan reads enough uh, enough books to like have like genuine opinions on like, like like you said, like on authors, like on artists, because he reads quite a few series. I'm wondering if Jerry only reads uh, this one Superman series. Yeah, yeah. I think there were enough though in the '90s. Like Superman was having a weird resurgence after he died. That there was like three or four different. Mm. Um, you know, there was like Superman, Man of Steel. Maybe there was just Superman, blah, Superman, New <laughs> Earth, Superman, whatever. You know what I mean? Like they might have had several Superman lines. I don't hey, know. Hey, hey, what's that you're most- reading? Eh, it's issue seven of Superman. Blah, it, it sucks. 
<laughs> Superman. <blah. laughs> that sounds like a, that's that's a line they used in Mad Magazine a lot. I know was that blah. So I was like, oh, it's it's yeah, it's the Mad Magazine imprint of the Superman. It's weird. Um, but yeah, I asked Alan. I wanted to get into Moon Knight, and I asked Alan which compendium I should buy, and he was like, oh, there's a great run by Longmire and whatever like wow. he gave me the author's names and i was like oh thank you yeah yeah props to <laughs> like alan he's, that kind of guy. he's probably listening to this while he's shaving his head oh yeah well if he is listening i still have not read the compendium that he uh that i went out and bought after he recommended it <laughs> <laughs> but it's sitting there it's sitting there on my stack of books i'll never read that's what they see like i love superheroes and and you know the movies and the movies mainly um but anytime i sit down to read a comic i'm like Oh boy, uh, this is tough. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm I can't this, finish this. <laughs> I'm this way with just like books in general. Like, I wish yes, I oh, could be the it. person yeah. who just sits down and reads. And like, I'll buy books. I'm making the investment to do this activity to sit down and read. Grace and I went to a bookshop yesterday, and I almost dropped thirty bucks on a book that <laughs> I do want. And she's like, "You have." Uh, I'll be gone in the dark that you're halfway through. You have another book that you haven't finished and th- from the honeymoon still. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. I would never sit down and read this. The story of my life. The same, same here. I, you should see like all of the books in our bookcase have bookmarks in them halfway through. Oh, God. <laughs> or a quarter or a third of the way through. Or yeah. I, I, I want to be the person who like sits down and reads books for like pleasure, yeah. you know, but I just, yep. I just can't bring myself to do it. No, I, I, who has the name? That's what I, I hate when I hear people that, and they, they read books and they have also seen all the TV shows that, and movies that people watch. I'm like, how do you have time to consume all of that? Yeah, there's no fucking way. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's crazy. I wish I wish I could read books, but yeah, if I I mean if I can't make it through a comic book, forget a book without pictures. <laughs> yeah. Like see, I felt like we made culturally, well not not culturally, pop culturally got a lot done this weekend. Like we watched an episode of The Mandalorian. Uh we did Small Business oh. Saturday. I watched the Mike Tyson Roy Jones Jr. fight. We started the Dang. Animaniacs reboot on Hulu. Yes. Like, I, I feel like we've done quite a bit this weekend. And maybe that <laughs> comes into having Thursday and Friday off, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got the time. Exactly. I mean, I, I will say that having kids has a lot to do. You, like, you have to keep them entertained and be reading to them and stuff like that. Um, so that does take up a little bit of it. We only have, like, an hour or two after they go to bed and an hour or two in the middle of the day when Declan's napping and Colleen might be entertaining herself, but... Again, if she's not, maybe she's out with Sarah and they're doing something or, or, you know, so Sarah's can't do anything and then, you know, and then work, whatever that takes up time. It's just, where do you find the time? You know, but like I've read so few books that there's a great, I think it's Brian Regan bit that I like. He's like, if I do read a book, I will tell people as soon as I can, I'll work it into conversation. And he's like, you know, they'll be like, oh, hey, uh, Brian, how's it going? Like, I read a book. Like, and I'm like, that's me too. If I read a book, I'm like, oh, I'm in the middle of a book right now uh, that's kind of about this. I'll like work it in. Like, it's not about that at all. I'm like, you know, this was kind of in a book that I'm reading right now. Like, I, because I do it so infrequently and I feel so good and superior when I do start a book that I will I'll do the same thing. I read a book. And then your worst nightmare is someone saying, how does that relate to what we're talking about? And then you just say, I just, I just wanted to say that I was reading a book. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's, uh, that's all. Ha, 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 ha.
so uh, back to the show in in Central Park, George and Marissa Tomei are talking, and he's giving her the manure speech that he gave on another Central Park day. Do you remember this? Yeah. Do you remember who we talked about manure with? <laughs> uh, I don't remember who it was with, but I remember it was someone that he met in the diner. Yes, the monk's waitress, Kelly. That's uh, that right. He got, and he, that he got a date, and he didn't know. Well, he after he gives her the manure speech, she's like, oh, yeah, my boyfriend, blah, blah, blah. And yes. he's like, what the? And, and Jerry posits that he's like, what were you guys talking about before she said that? And he's like, well, you know how manure is not that bad of a word. <laughs> Jerry's like, oh, I, I think I know why she said she had a boyfriend all of a sudden. That was season <laughs> six, episode seven, uh, by, by the way. The soup, I think it was. But, but Marissa Tomei thinks the manure bit is hilarious. And I, I love that, that she's also like, did you just make that up? And George is like, why, you think I'm doing material? Which he obviously was, like 100%, <laughs> talking about something that he'd said before. And she's just enamored with George, who... And she's like, how is uh, how could a guy who's so bald and so quirky and so funny not be taken yet? Uh, and he does come clean about being engaged. And the way he downplays it now is he does air quotes around engaged. Not why well, you know, I'm, I'm engaged. Yeah, he, he says I'm sort of engaged. <laughs> I think that's yeah, how yeah. he says it. Yeah, and and the air quotes is like you know it's you know well I guess you could quote unquote engaged uh, whatever. Um, and, and Marissa Tomei punches him in the face and walks off in anger. Oh my God. What a shot oh, though. You. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It was like, <laughs> she literally connected on a stage punch, like <laughs> fist met chin. Like this was a, like a, a really good right hook. I, I don't know if this was, yeah. uh, Marissa Tomei that we see like from, from behind, but whoever's like doing uh, this stunt, like they connect with Jason Alexander. <laughs> Yeah, they they sold it. I mean, it, even if it wasn't, I mean, because it was it was fast. It must have had some power behind it, and like I don't know how you make that look <laughs> as real as they did, but kudos. Yeah, it, it looked it looked great. Uh, cut to Scott's restaurant back down in Florida, and Jerry and his parents are pulling up in a Cadillac as Jack Clompus and his wife are exiting. And I gotta stop right here and talk about how much I loved Jack Clompus's Dior track jacket oh my oh, gosh man i was like this <laughs> i am a sucker i have like i don't know 10 track jackets or so i love track jackets and this one like maroon and gray and like oh man i was like that's that's a, if i found that in a thrift store I, i'd snap it up no problem what is the was, what, what is the most amount of money modern day money that you would spend for something like this My, oh for well i mean it is it's dior so i would hope to get it for I'm gonna, I'm really you're gonna think wow that's not a lot but I would say like 25. Okay, okay. Yeah, but if you found that in a vintage shop or something, it'd easily be 125 probably. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, but I I would need I don't normally buy you know anything like my thrift store finds were that I have they were like you know one two dollar three dollar ten dollar whatever like I've rarely gone to vintage shops and and it's just a matter of not having the money you know. <laughs> yeah, that that's that's for sure vintage. Uh, when you're shopping like vintage stuff, it can get pricey. Yeah, like even like my my most favorite my favorite track jacket is Adidas and Tron did a uh, a crossover. Oh you know, hell they, yeah! They did a line of yeah they did a line of Tron. I have the Tron shoes and I have the Tron jacket. And if you look for those on eBay, like the jacket goes for like one fifty regularly. The shoes go for like 
I don't know, around the same, 150 to 200. But I waited until I found a pair of Tron shoes that were listed in the children's shoe section. And so the collectors, like, and it was my size and everything. And the, the lady was, you know, I wrote and I was like, are these adult shoes? But she was like, oh, I'm listing them for my uh, son or grandson. I'm assuming that, uh, yeah, I don't know. They look big. They look bigger for kids. So it's not a 10.5 kids. It's a 10 and a half adult. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So I got them for like half of what they normally normally go for because <laughs> she rightly thought these shoes were for children <laughs> but they're not they're for grown men oh my uh, god and then the jacket i got for the jacket i waited until somehow i got a deal on it as well like i, I refused to buy it at that 150 price but but yeah so anything that i do buy i, I make sure i get a, a bargain on you know if it's like vintage or like this but uh, so i would love to find this dior tracksuit Maybe I'll do. Let me see. I'm gonna I'm gonna put Dior track jacket on there, mm-hmm. and maybe much like George's shoes, I can uh, I can <laughs> complete more of my Seinfeld normcore wardrobe yes. and wear my uh, Nike Cortezes with my Dior tracky. How how are those Cortezes <laughs> holding up? By the tracky. way, how are those Cortezes holding up? Not well. I, I don't remember when I got them, but like they they're they fell apart pretty quickly, especially the sole. I gotta say, they, yeah. I wore through the sole really quickly. Oh, that's disappointing. Yeah, I should replace them, but again, money. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's Christmas for crying out loud. <laughs> Not buying myself new shoes right now. Uh, I'm gonna walk around in these with like my toe sticking out the front. <laughs> um, and Jack remarks in his beautiful Dior trackie about, "Oh, you guys are showing up at six o'clock. You've missed the early bird special. Must be nice to have that kind of money." And he remarks that Morty is getting impeached tomorrow. And Morty says that Jack doesn't have the votes because they think they got Mrs. Choate on the line with the uh, the coffee or tea meeting. Or actually, Mrs. Choate wanted hot water with lemon. Yeah. <laughs> when they met up. <laughs> Again, another great old person thing to order. I just want hot water with lemon. <laughs> but the, the thing is, you have to berate your server whenever you ask for it. <laughs> Excuse me, idiot boy. I'd like hot water with lemon. I don't see it on the menu. <laughs> That's because no one in their right mind orders it, you old bag. <laughs> you old bag. <laughs> uh, up in Elaine's apartment, Susan shows up to confront and ask Elaine about having an affair with George. And Elaine cracks up immediately when she asks. and goes, <laughs> why would anyone want to sleep with... Uh, and then realizes she's looking at the person who is sleeping with George and... <laughs> <laughs> uh, immediately backpedals back a little bit. But Elaine goes along with the story about Art Vandelay, and Susan asks if George was helpful. But it's at that point that it mixes up whether the importing or the exporting was at the center of the argument and adds details that he imports chips. I like the way that she separated the, you know, uh, chips, what kind? Potato, some corn, but mostly potato. <laughs> uh, and then that he exports diapers. <laughs> oh, my Lord. <laughs> yeah. And then Susan leaves and Elaine races to the phone, presumably to call George at the only place we know he would be reached. And that's his apartment. If only we had cell phones at this point, Elaine could have texted this information to him. That's true. And, uh, and, and he would have gotten away with it. Yeah. Uh, but George comes into his apartment and Susan immediately grills him, asking what Art Vandalay imports. And George says, matches, very long matches. And at that point, Susan punches him in the face and he falls out the door, which is slammed on him. <laughs> yeah, just uh, another <laughs> another good uh, right jab this time from from Susan. Yeah, t- 
totally. George must have been like, I mean, Jason must have been like, you know what? I can take it. Just, just you know, give me a little, <laughs> you know, give me a little in the face. Let's do it. Um, back down in Florida, the condo board is voting on impeachment, and Mrs. Choates votes against. But then she overhears Jack say, "Oh, yeah, I can't believe you got that old bag." Which, hearing that phrase, flashes her back to the rye and being accosted and called an old bag by Jerry. Shut up, you old bag. And she realizes who Jerry is and changes her vote and changes everyone's vote to against Morty, thus impeaching him and Jack being sworn in. Uh, Jack Columbus was the vice president, and he is now the new condo board president of phase two of the Pines of Mar Gable. Uh, back up in the apartment building, uh, the cable guy, who I just finally noticed, we probably saw before, but he has the name tag Nick on his jacket. Mm-hmm. This is the first time I noticed it, though. Oh, really? I, I noticed <laughs> so it when been, he came into Jerry's yeah. for the first time. I should have. I don't know why I didn't. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I could have been calling him Nick the whole time. But he's giving up at Kramer's door, and he's apologizing for everything the cable company's ever done bad to yeah, everybody. This, this and he says, dude. you know what, the, the cable company... This poor dude, he's yeah. just bearing his soul, you know? <laughs> Yeah, this is what Kramer wanted. This is the reaction. Like, he wanted to wear him down to the point, this point where he is right now. And he says, you know, the cable company, well, we're not going to do that. We're going to have appointments. And if we can't make 11 o'clock, it's going to be 11 o'clock. And if we can't make it, we're going to call you and tell you why. Jesus. And at that point, Kramer opens the door and they embrace in a hug. And that's the, uh, the end of the episode. We do get one last little bit in Florida where... Jerry's parents are moving out of their condo as this kind of patriotic slow trumpet music is playing. And the three triumphantly walk out, uh, heads held high, defiantly walk out to the Cadillac. And Marty enthusiastically turns around before he gets in and waves to the crowd. (laughs) And some people are crying and they wave back and there's a slow drive off into the sunset which was this a parody of something i wrote down the exact same thing i wanted to ask you was this a i I wrote down parody of something um i'm guessing (laughs) that with the way morty waves because he waves like uh one arm like to to the right then other arm to the left and then both arms again and then he does like the peace sign i'm guessing this is a parody of Uh. nixon resigning yeah, yeah, getting and getting on the uh, Air Force Two or whatever the chopper is mm-hmm. as he was leaving. That was kind of my guess too, because he's the only, you know, or, or the only president up to that point that had had that sort of impeachment and and had to leave office like that. Um, and so, yeah, but we'll we'll see if it is like, but it is a parody of a like the music makes me think it maybe it was like a the that Nixon movie that came out. Maybe they were parroting like that. The ending of that Maybe. movie, I don't know. Um, Maybe. Because we also see him kind of take a look around the condo and, and take a deep breath and then sort of straighten his back so that he's like, well, I'm not going to go out all slumped over and depressed. I'm going to go out defiantly yeah. uh, and, and walk outside with my head held high. Um, so, yeah. And, and the other thing I thought might be a parody that I had mentioned earlier was the van chase. When Kramer's being stalked, that, that seemed very cinematic and deliberate the way they <laughs> filmed that. That I was like, And the pie pan thing made me think, that's something from a movie, right? Like seeing a reflection of someone following you like that. Um, so I'm, I'll, we'll see if that's a parody as well. The van chase and then the end uh, with the, the Seinfelds leaving. Uh, the Pines of Mar Gable phase two. And that's the end of the episode. Did you see the woman in the crowd as they're driving off who's like definitely only like 45 and living at this retirement community? 
No, I didn't. Was she the one crying? I noticed the woman crying. <laughs> she she may have been, but th- there's definitely like one woman who is noticeably younger than everyone else in this crowd. <laughs> Maybe she just like ages gracefully and she is like 60, but she looks 40, you know? But I it was just yeah, yeah. it was just a jarring thing to see for me. <laughs> um okay, what all Maybe we... it was a worker. Maybe it was like the activities that director. That could or be. Yeah, that could be. Was... Yeah, um, an employee. <laughs> all right. What else do we have for homework this week? Uh, so I just wrote down, you know, who the actress who played Katie was at the beginning. If she was uh, on one of the, that uh, dinner and a movie show that I was talking about where the episode split happened. Um, I want to find that Dior track jacket and whether the van chase and the ending scene are parodies of anything in particular. All right. What do you like visually about this episode for cover art? I, I guess... For like overall, but if we do end up making this a two-parter, again, if you're listening to this, you uh, would already know that this is part two <laughs> and part one was d- last week, maybe? I don't fucking know. Um, but as we're recording this, it is one episode. So what do you like visually about th- the, the the first part of this episode or, or the <laughs> second part or, or overall? I don't know. I, well, I think Jerry and his dad and Jack Klompus in a shot is, is probably a good because it's called the Cadillac and the Cadillac is in that shot. But getting a good shot of George getting punched by Marissa Tomei would be pretty good, too. <laughs> uh, those those are two. Uh, and I think one happens in the first part of the episode and one's in the second. So those are those are the two that spring to my head. What springs into your head? Uh, th- that, that's what I was thinking of, too. Oh, wow. There I we mean, go. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't like note anything down, but the like as I was like mentioning as I was asking you, I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, yeah, something with the Cadillac. I do want to get George getting punched at least once. If uh, <laughs> if he got punched in the beginning of the episode and the latter half of the episode, I would do George getting punched in both of them. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah. he, it's uh, it's both in the second half of the episode. Um, but okay, uh, let's get into. Uh, do we want to do Newman's mail sack first or the description first? Let's do the description first. Okay, so we had. Let me scroll back through. All of my notes to the very beginning. We had uh, Jerry surprises his parents, parenthetical, Barney Martin and Liz Sheridan with a new Cadillac. I, I mean, I, I kind of like it. I wish it would where the drama comes in, but I don't think it needs to. But I, I, I think it's totally no, I guess fine. Not. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. All right. Yeah. So let's open up Newman's mail sack. The entry of Newman's mail sack today comes from our buddy Cat who DM'd me on Instagram. She says, Tim, opinion on Sue Ellen Mishke. But wait, did, it, did, did she start with Tim? No, no, no. That, that, was, that was just me trying to get your attention because oh! how, how many times you've brought up Sue Ellen Mishke over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> um, she says, opinion on Sue Ellen Mishke. I think Elaine is the one being a bitch, TBH. Her brawlessness isn't hurting anyone, and I've always loved her subversion of the bra gift. I'm with Tim, LOL. She's out here living her best tit life, and the only bitchy thing she does is to request a gift, but it always seemed like she was kind of being facetious to me with that anyway. I do not share Sue Ellen's lifestyle choices, but if I did, I would be low-key pretty offended if someone bought me a bra. Like, ho, I know what it is, okay? I'm choosing to forgo. Oh, my God. (laughs) Well said. (laughs) Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think. I do think the. Well, I hope you give me a gift anyway. Thing was a joke, but Elaine took it as an opening to do this to pull this little stunt on Sue Ellen. 
They're going like, well, she did joke about it. So if I give her a gift <laughs> later, I'll go, you know what? You, you know, there's still an opening that it won't look weird. Mm-hmm. And she just got a gift out of the blue. Um, yeah, so I do, I do agree with that. But uh, yeah, that's what else can you say? That's excellent. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, so we got to zip up Newman's mail sack really quick. Zip. All right, so next week we have got season seven, episode fifteen, the Showerhead. Uh, original air date February fifteenth, nineteen ninety six. And if you're looking at TV Guide that night, you are going to see Jerry jokes about his uncle on television. Semicolon. Elaine fails a drug test, semicolon, guest, Whoa. Jay Leno. Whoa! Yeah, well, right? Why don't I remember Jay Leno? <laughs> wow. I do not remember why he would be on. You, you imagine it has something to do with the, the Tonight Show, but but who knows? Well, I'm, uh, I'm guessing but yeah, that this it, one... Uh, I'm guessing it plays into Jerry jokes about his uncle on television. I, I'm guessing Jerry goes back on the Tonight Show. Right, right, right. Yeah, and, and the uncle, of course, is going to be Uncle Leo. Yeah, that <laughs> sounds familiar now. But it's interesting that, like, the shower, you know, and it's called the shower head, and I definitely remember that plot line. But Elaine's thing is, is interesting, too. And I don't know if it was the start or if it was, you know, the start of this urban legend about why she failed the drug test or whatever. But anyway, we can get into that uh, next week. So uh, how did you feel about the, the Cadillac? It was, a, it was pretty good, right? I really liked it. And I, I typically don't like these long episodes. I, I just feel like there's a lot of filler in them most of the time. I, I thought everything in here uh, was in here for a reason. Yeah, and it really moves the story along. I mean, George is in a – it's a bit of a cliffhanger for George and his relationship. Mm-hmm. And Jerry's parents are making a big move. It moves the plot along in a, in a great way. And, uh, yeah, it, was, it, was, it had some good laugh-out-loud moments. I liked it. Like, if I, if I had to drop anything from the episode, I'd maybe drop one of the scenes with Kramer and the cable guy. But, like, <laughs> I, I found myself really enjoying that storyline. I thought that was funny. Yeah, yeah. It was, like, it, it was super timely, of course, even more so in... Because, like I said, cable companies are still, like, watch an Xfinity commercial, and they're going to... Something's going to be about, like, and now we have 45-minute windows. Or, like, they're always trying to introduce something so that, like you know you're not going to be waiting for the cable guy, but everybody knows that you're still going to be waiting for the stupid cable guy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still a problem all these years later. Like, we haven't <laughs> solved it. But it was even more timely back then because how funny is that that the cable company couldn't go, oh, this guy's getting free cable on HBO. Hit one button, and now it's gone. You yeah. know, like, I can order HBO from my remote right now downstairs. But it's so funny that, like, they had to show up to uninstall HBO in Showtime. <laughs> and like if I if I was the cable guy, I would just ask Kramer like, "Look, I don't get paid one way or the other whether you have HBO or not. You you slip you slip me 30 bucks, I'll I'll come back in a year, you're good." That sounds like a good plan too. <laughs> we know that cable has we know that Kramer has the cable hookup as well because of, you know, uh, a while back he tried to get Jerry to, to have pirated cable mm-hmm. <laughs> and brought those guys in to install it during the baby shower. Yeah. So, all right. Is that it? I think that's it. All right. For No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hall. The Well. Be good. Be good.